0: it let's do it we've started talking just a little bit about prayer Um, and so Adams created this video as our opening just to talk about our feelings of prayer a little bit
1: (laughs) Dear Lord, it has been several days since I last prayed, and I must confess that I'm just not very good at prayer. I get busy and overscheduled, and there are days I suddenly look up and another week has gone by without prayer. Even when I do remember to sit down and pray, my mind wanders. I feel disorganized and dry. Help me, dear Lord, to understand what I must be missing.
2: Our Father who art in heaven. Does God make art
1: in heaven? I can remember when I was a little girl. My family would always pray before each meal. I really miss that sometimes. I can still hear the sound of my father's voice as he would utter those familiar phrases. Guide, guard, and protect us. Forgive us our transgressions. Um, uh,
2: forgive us our um, transmissions and uh, deliver us some kibble.
1: Maybe I just wasn't born with the ability to pray.
0: Hello, and welcome to Seeking God Through the Arts, and we're just wondering if you've perhaps had some of these similar experiences with prayers and feelings, if maybe you can relate to the things expressed in this video. Um, We just want to suggest to you, instead of harboring guilt feelings about this, we hope that you might um, consider that these signs are just, this is a sign from God as to that he's maybe calling you into doing some things in some new and surprising ways. I know he was for me. And so what we hope to do in this session is to give you some new ideas and practical tips about ways you can use paintings, poetry, music, and storytelling to reinvent your personal devotional time and also your corporate worship. Pastor Gregory Boyd in his wonderful little book called Seeing is Believing describes it that people who are passionate about prayer tend to be people who usually, without knowing it, use their imagination in prayer in a way that others do not. So keeping this in mind, we hope our class will help ignite your passion for prayer and encourage you to take steps towards greater creativity, to become more like a child and as you learn to seek God through the arts.
2: So it would be easy to presume that if you've chosen to come to a class like this voluntarily, at at the end of what has probably been a very fulfilling week for you, um, that you feel or sense that there is a meaningful connection between faith and the arts. Either you feel that or somebody you love feels that and you were drugged here because you love them. Either way, good job for you. Or you wanted to go to another session and they were full, and you came and saw we had open chairs. (laughs) Either way, we're glad that you're here, and hopefully what we share with you will be helpful not only to you, but also to your congregations back home. Um, For me, there was no better or more timely example about how the arts can draw all people, Christians and not, to thoughts of God than the burning of the Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, The coverage of this captured the whole world and the whole world kind of stopped and wept over this beautiful part of our history that was burning. And uh, people were being interviewed on the streets, Christians and not that were mourning the loss of this chapel, this chapel where the architecture and the art was made to tell the the story of the Bible. Um, And the thing that captured my imagination the most about this event was at that evening as the, the chapel was still burning, The streets of Paris were full of people standing around the chapel and singing hymns together. The arts is a part of our own personal individual spiritual practices and the part of our community. It matters. And this is an example of that. I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton because it reminds me that there is more that nourishes me than just meals. He says, you say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concerts and the opera, grace before the play and the pantomime, and grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen into the ink. Our spirits are nourished just like our physical bodies are.
0: So, just a little bit about our story. God Through the Arts began actually 10 years ago when I was invited to present by Jerry Rushford here at Pepperdine University. I had been teaching college classes about the arts and trying to help people of all ages connect to the emotional content of paintings, music, dance, etc. But back then, I really didn't have a very good idea myself of how it connected to my own spirituality. In time, however, I began to test the waters of how the arts might connect us to God and enrich our prayer life. And so my eyes became, and my heart became open to ways of prayer that my little girl ideas were were changing, definitely. So I decided to write and publish my first book, and it featured mainly the arts of Christmas. So I called it My Dancing Day, and I have a copy here with me today. But because of this, I was invited to speak at the Tulsa workshop uh, where I met and made good friends with the wonderful couple of Adam and Sarah Nettesheim. They are both visual artists, and so when they saw my class of God Through the Arts on the program, it was a perfect fit. And I can still see Sarah and Adam sitting front row center, really taking it all in with open hearts and eyes as they began to imagine all kinds of new possibilities.
2: Yeah, so, my wife and I went to the Tulsa workshop expecting to be given a lot of great things to chew on to help us with our spiritual goals. But seeing something on the program that had to do with the arts really captivated us, and we had to figure out what this was about. So, we went to Jennifer's class, and what she presented blew us away. To hear somebody in a spiritual workshop talk about the arts as a meaningful component of our faith was something beautiful to us, and it nurtured a deep need that we had, and yet didn't quite know how to articulate that need at the moment. Um, We got her book, and like silly little fans, we asked her to sign it, and uh, she graciously did. Um, But on the drive home, my wife and I began to talk about what we could do at our home church to uh, help uh, cultivate creativity and the arts in our home congregation.
0: So when they returned home to Loveland, Colorado, Adam and Sarah began to speak more passionately about using the arts as part of their Bible study. And their congregation, I have to say, has definitely made it their own thing, soaring above anything I could have imagined. Um, and, And they've really created some wonderful new ways to use the arts with their church family. And so this is why I've asked Adam to join me and to share some of their ideas tonight. The good news is, the the next slide I think the good news is that anyone can do these exercises in creativity you don't need a degree in art history all you need is a little time and willingness to develop the heart of a child
2: And I think it's really important uh, there's this thing about creativity where people think oh I'm not creative creativity is not just for a special few Um, I've seen firsthand how the creativity and the arts and things of that nature and opening your eyes to what is creative can nourish an entire congregation as well as each individual. Uh, so I really want to encourage you uh, to embrace that, that creativity is not just for a special few. It's for those who feel that they are creatives and those who don't as well.
0: And so after much prayerful consideration, together Adam and I chose our passage uh, in Matthew 18, um, and that is our scripture text this evening.
2: At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their are angels in heaven, Always see the face of my Father in heaven. So Jennifer, as we talk about this, what are some practical tips that we can share with them to cultivate the heart of a child?
0: So I think it's important that we first demonstrated that it's you know it's important to, for you to be honest about your feelings, and to even go back into your childhood and reexamine some of the things that you, you know, some of the pictures you have of God and prayer from childhood that you're maybe still clinging to. So that's super important and and good to journal about (laughs) in your your time of devotion. Um, But also, like a child, we need to remember how to engage our imagination. Uh, And this is one way I've really come to learn that art can be so powerful, as it allows you to step into a familiar Bible story and walk around a while. Instead of reading over a passage, rather quickly sometimes, a painting encourages you to find pieces of yourself in the story. And so I'd like to begin tonight by looking at this painting by a Polish artist that I was very unfamiliar (coughs) with. His name is Heinrich Simeradski. And this painting is called Christ in the House of of Martha and Mary. And I love it because it is such a vivid representation of Jesus. And I've discovered that by learning to visualize Jesus, by planting him into sort of a realistic space, it can really open my heart to a greater emotional connection to him. So I just wanted to walk you through some things to notice about this painting. Frequently, an artist will sort of have in mind that you will have an order at which you'll enter the painting. And so I'm going to start over here and have you notice that there's (coughs) a, a harp sort of haphazardly laying against this wild rose bush. Okay, And then if you take your eye down and you follow this pattern along this repeated pattern, it takes you over here to an open vessel. And then if you let your eye go up a little bit from there. You'll see the birds flying in and feeding on some seeds. Then your eye will go up, and you'll see Martha standing off to the side in the distance. But over her head, there's a grapevine. And then if you allow your eye, and some more open vessels. Yes, a well. And then you've got Jesus, who is sort of coincidentally gesturing towards a tree. And so all of these. Are, are, are symbolic of things that sort of whisper to our subconscious mind about other themes in the Bible, and encourage us to become open like a child. Um, so when we allow ourselves to gaze through the lens of this beautiful painting, lingering to explore each detail, the Bible story springs to life by engaging our senses. Jesus becomes more real to us as we are listening like Mary, at his feet. Now, I will also tell you that Simorodsky lived, he actually moved to Rome so that he could live in, a, in, the, in the sort of the neighborhood of the same sort of um, landscape and scenery of the Bible. Um, and so he probably would have traveled around the countryside to paint, you know, vegetation and scenes. So I just wonder where he found this. It might've been a house near his home. Um, But he's definitely created something that's almost photographic in detail. I love how he captures the sunlight as it shines through the leaves of this tree that you don't see from, you don't really get to see the whole tree, but we can imagine how it's hanging overhead, Um, and so already he's got us engaging our imagination, yes? Mm -hmm. But you can see how he's sculpted with light and shade. and also a cool detail about this is that the painting itself is uh, something like it's a 11 and a half by 18 feet large. So um, I imagine it probably <coughs> filled Hall one side of his studio and people would come to his house to view these paintings. And uh, you know so to have something that large would have been uh, the idea would be to get us to feel like we could just step into the painting. So Jesus, in this painting, is stepping off the pages of our Bible into the bright sunlight. But focus now on Mary as she is sitting, listening close to Jesus. She's content and just listening to Jesus as he speaks to only her. Mary demonstrates to us with her body language how to be open and unconscious of time like a child.
2: See, that's one of the things I think is so remarkable about this parent painting is Mary's posture. She's sitting like a child, like, almost like we used to do in elementary school, the crisscross applesauce. You, know, you cross your legs and you sit. I just imagine Mary sitting there, listening to Jesus like a child, taking it all in. Um, maybe she closed her eyes when he was telling a good story. Maybe she put her hands on her chest when he said something challenging. Maybe she gasped when he said things that were too strange or unusual or wonderful for her to understand. Meditating on this image has been very helpful for me because it reminds me that I need to make a time and place, as Mary did, that I need to take the posture of a child, as Mary did, and that I need to leave what I think I know, as Mary did, and let God teach me like a child.
0: So what's really great about what Adam just did there is he made the painting his own. Yes? He made the picture his own. The painting was only the starting place for Adam, Okay, So I I love this quote by Juliet Benner from her book, a nice little book called Contemplative Vision, where she writes, contemplative prayer begins by basking in the presence of our beloved and then taking that presence with us as we live our daily lives in the world. Now, I'm going to say that again. Okay? Contemplative prayer begins by basking in the presence of our beloved and then taking that presence with us as we live our daily lives in the world. How much time are we spending just basking in his presence? So... Your, your opportunity is now. <laughs> We're going to do a little exercise together, if you don't mind. I'm going to ask you if you could close your eyes and begin to see this painting in your own mind's eye. Let it just be the starting place, though. Breathe in deeply and really drink in the scene that you're creating in your mind. Let your heart be touched by the sight of Jesus spending time with one precious heart. Really see Jesus as he is open to teaching anyone who comes to sit at his feet. Allow yourself to step into the scene. Imagine all the sights and sounds that could possibly accompany the atmosphere. Can you feel the breeze as it blows through the trees and hear the sounds of birds singing overhead? Imagine Jesus speaking to you personally and allow yourself to wander about the sound and cadence of his voice. As you rest at Jesus' feet, What would he say to you? Open your eyes now and return to the painting for one last look. And let yourself enjoy all the beautiful details. starting point. Um, So using paintings to engage your imagination in this way brings God's story to life and allows the spirit to pass through you and when shared can enliven the entire church community in some pretty special ways.
2: So let's continue our reading from Matthew 18. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost.
0: So I love this image of Jesus as the good shepherd. And there's so many, this is just one example of so many it really encouraged me to look for ways to follow him by seeking out those who are on the outside of our community. Uh, He seems to be saying, Jesus seems to be saying to us that the many should look out for the outsider or the one left behind. And so the challenge, I believe, is to open our eyes to those who are feeling left out before they actually wander away from the group.
2: Yeah, over time I've learned that uh, our flock that gathers on Sunday is full of many different types of sheep, with many different types of perspectives and also many different learning styles. Uh, this, the way that I've come to see the example of the good shepherd caring for the flock, is in, in a way is seeking everyone out, caring for the parts of the flock that don't flock quite like you flock. Um, and uh, there's a okay, there's a growing recognition that we need to embrace other cultures and empower those who face physical and intellectual challenges. We should also consider how we can engage people with different learning styles. When we allow all of God's beauty and God's gifts to shine, our entire fellowship will benefit from learning from each other, and our flocks will be healthier and they'll thrive.
0: So I really understand what he's talking about, because in the different college classes I taught, I really tried to mix things up and use a variety of kinds of things to reach out to different kinds of learners. Um, Because I'm still pretty old school about things, if I allow myself, I can just do lecture and note taking. I love that. Um, But in recent years, (coughs) I've learned to put more visual elements, class discussion, journaling exercises. And it's fascinating to me when I ask them in one of these journaling exercises, tell me what, you know, which one you like the best. There's always some of them that really like the more fact-based documentary stuff. There's some that really like the class discussion. um, Some that like the imaginative journaling exercises. But they can, all of them, see the advantage to all of it. And, and And they enjoy getting to learn from everybody's different styles. So my eyes have really been opened to a myriad of different learning styles. And so this is why the arts can be such a powerful tool in your toolkit. The arts can help open us to a greater understanding of how to connect to different kinds of learners. And so I just wanted to go over these kind of quickly. Some of you may be really familiar with these already, but maybe not thinking about them at church. So some people are more auditory learning. And so again, these are people who are going to be good with listening and speaking and taking notes kind of experiences. Yes? But then you've heard a lot over the years about there's certain people. I heard somebody just mentioned it as you came in. One of you guys said you were very visual. Yes? So there's people who are visual who do better with maps and graphs and images and storytelling that creates those kinds of images. Yes? Um, but then there's people who are kinesiatic learning, people who do best by carrying out physical activities rather than listening to a lecture. And so these are going to be those people that sign up to do those service projects because those are, they're finding more fulfillment from actually doing something. But there's got to be ways to connect activities also for the storytelling. Then we've got, of course, we've got left brain people who are more analytical, logical. And right brain people who are more creative um,
2: and late. Sorry, no.
0: <laughs> and feel in, more in tune with their feelings and visualization. This is just the beginning, starting point, because there's also uh, you know generational differences in ways of hearing things and processing. Yes, people who have always had screens and cell phones and things are going to be hearing and processing and wanting more comfortable than. You know, people are not even comfortable with talking on the telephone anymore, you know? Certain things are changing so fast. Male-female um, female differences in how you process and hear things. Cultural differences. Um, so it's really, I think, a, a good idea to be putting some thought into allowing everybody to shine in their own way. Okay, so. So in doing so, we really have come to believe and experience that by uh, experiencing the arts through these different ways, you develop the heart of a child and also you strengthen the whole community in the process.
2: So Jesus understood how to touch the heart of different kinds of people. Rather than just preaching do's and don'ts exclusively, (coughs) much of his teaching was through story. And when you consider that God made our wonderful world full of such loving detail and mysteries to be unfolded to our eyes, our ears, our even our noses and our hands, to all the five senses he created to help us navigate life, but not just that, but to also take pleasure in the world. When you think on that, it really helps us to be inspired to cultivate more of our divine inheritance, both in our own lives and in our communities too. Now, when we engage together in this way, we will have challenges. Will we always understand each other? No. Will we make each other uncomfortable sometimes? Probably. But what I've come to experience through the different art projects that I'll share with you in a little bit is that God can take our attempts at expression and use it all for his glory and the blessing of our communities. And that is a wonderful thing. And when we allow his spirit to work within us, and when we allow ourselves to see God's work through each other's eyes, we have a greater opportunity to see every connection and every detail and every beautiful dancing brushstroke that our Heavenly Father has painted on this canvas of life.
0: So because Adam is so passionate about this, I've asked him to share with us a little bit about his community art project that he's been doing with his church family adam and sarah are always coming up with new ways to engage everyone with the story of god's love for us and i've enjoyed hearing about it over the years and um being connected to their family and thinking outside the box uh
2: so i i have a pretty special church home um my daughter Uh, recently drew what she called a picture of the church building and everyone in it. (laughs) I think she captured us just right. (laughs) We're uh, a group full of different, sometimes messy people, but all coming together in the same picture to honor our heavenly artist. Since 2014, we've tried new ways to develop our inner child by regularly offering opportunities uh, for creativity to help us tell the story of Jesus and his love for the world. These art projects have become a meaningful part of our church culture and something that can be shared by our congregation young and old, experienced artists, hobbyists, but also people who are inexperienced but eager to try <coughs> something new. Everyone is welcome.
0: So I we did create a couple of handouts, and I know some people came in after I was handing them out. Just, who didn't get? Yes? and uh, on. This one in particular, that has the pretty heading, mm-hmm. um, Adam has put together some um, wonderful suggestions, so that you, especially for the activities, the kinesiatic learning, so. Thank you. They're also on the app. Oh,
1: great.
0: Okay. Did you get, uh, oh, there's I, 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 okay. Go ahead.
2: So we started, the, the first project that we did Um, We started out, uh, uh, our preacher was already in the middle of a sermon series where he was just kind of doing a flyover of the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. And so we listed the different episodes that he was going to talk about. And we submitted that to the congregation, anybody who wanted to take a story and produce a piece based on that. And different ages came out, different abilities, different mediums. Um, It was a beautiful thing. The final result was an arts presentation of the redemption story told by the body of Christ through the unique ways that God had gifted them to tell it. This energy moved right on through Christmas um, the following year. And we listed all the major events of the Christmas story, and the artists and crafters in our church were featured during the three-week sermons leading up to Christmas. And it was wonderful to see these beautifully unique takes on very familiar stories from different perspectives. Um, Their works were beautifully diverse in their media choices and interpretations. Some chose paints and pencils, some pho- photography and Photoshop. Uh, there were painted ceramics and stained glass work, um, collages and like decoupage. There was somebody who created a, a, a crafted a sword from wood. We had musical offerings too. One of the presenters wrote and performed an original song. Um, another lady who, who didn't feel she could uh, compose a song, she found a song that spoke to her about the emotions that Mary must have felt as she processed the angel's news. And then another performed a medley of hymns, starting out with well-known songs about the manger, and then leading through songs about the life of Christ, and then ending with songs about the cross. Everyone brought what they had been gifted with to tell the story. And it was beautiful. And I believe it prepared our hearts for Christmas that year in such a unique and powerful way. And the beauty of this type of activity is that it can easily be replicated for a different theme or a different time of year, such as Easter. Legos. Yes, Legos. <laughs> so when I asked um, my preacher, Lloyd, how he saw our community efforts to engage the congregation in this way, he said, "He said uh, as a good as- I don't know why I'm doing a lower voice. Than that, <laughs> but,
1: uh, <laughs>
2: As a minister, my love for people has obviously driven me to appreciate that which they appreciate. Even though I have always loved the arts, encouraging artistic and creative aspects of worship has been not only a blessing to the congregation, but has been a blessing to me as well. Hearing and seeing what the created has created always gives glory to the ultimate creator. So from group projects, to individual offerings, to experience-based services, to art that raises money for missions, to projects in and out and with our community, our our city. This is just a taste of how our congregation tries to make creativity accessible to everyone in some way. And and sure, not everyone always feels willing and able to participate, and that's okay. the individuals that do participate seem to be blessed, and the entire congregation is blessed, too.
0: So there are so many wonderful things going on with this that I just wanted to take stop and highlight. Um, I think one of the things I find the most impressive about this is that it's so inclusive, and I think that's so Church of Christ, that we have our uh, we do our congregational singing. We're all about that everybody should participate in that part of the service. And so this is just a really great way to extend that idea, that feeling of inclusive for the storytelling. Um, And then it also encourages each person to just take a little slice of the story and make it personal. And so it's encouraging them to do that contemplative thing like we did with that painting at the beginning because um, in order for them to create something about that slice of the story, they're going to have to spend time really meditating on that. And so, yes, it's going to be more cl- contemplative. Um, and then also it's a great opportunity for, uh, to be cross-generational. Yeah, It's sort of like you're supersizing out the things that you like about Vacation Bible School into the rest of the year and giving yourself permission to run. And so because of that, it's going to be fun for people. Okay.
2: So when our communities don't find a way to bring every engagement style in, too often people who are more based in, say, their emotions and creativity, they're going to feel separated from a binary logic-based faith experience. They're going to feel on the fringes of the church. We want to encourage you in what you may already know to be true, that all senses are for God's glory. And he uses all of them to draw us closer to him. The arts and artists are a blessing, not a burden to the church. And a thriving, connected congregation full of all types of engaged, contributing people, that is a living and active body of Christ.
0: So listening to Adam's story reminded me of one of my most favorite paintings. This is a painting called The Adoration of the Trinity, uh, and it's painted by Albert Durer in 1511. It's going to be a little challenging for me to deal with this painting because my my clicker pointer thingy died on me. But you'll work with me, I hope. Yes. Um, so I have to say that I love. I fell in love with this painting, and I really didn't understand why at first. And that's frequently what happens: is I like something, and I don't really have to understand why. I just know I want to spend some time with it. Um, and so, at first, I just jumped in both feet and started trying to figure out, you know, who all these people were around the cross. And I, I started, you know, maybe these are Old Testament people, and maybe these are angels, and maybe these were people that were during Albert Durer's day. And then, and then I got kind of frustrated with that, and I thought, wait a minute, I'm just going to stop and pull back and start again. And so. Um, I tried to, sell, to decide what is the focal point, the main, most important area that the artist is wanting us to s- central theme of the painting. And so I know this little trick from my art history class, that if you look for a repeating shape, OK? So if we go all the way up to the top, you see the shape at the top of the frame is a, an arch, right? OK? So if you look at that arch, if you look just down, uh, maybe behind you know God is holding Jesus on the cross, so behind God's head there's another arch in the clouds. Um, and then if you come down a little bit further behind Jesus' torso, you'll see a, like a rainbow. Yes? And then another rainbow. So it's like this arch that's gradually coming in and encircling around his feet. Okay, so the focal point is his feet. And we're all worshiping around the cross at Jesus' feet. Okay? So another trick, though, that artists use in order for us to understand what's important, what are they trying to say, what's the message, is for us to look at where the eyes of the people in the painting are looking. Where are, or, because they're generally, supposedly, looking at what the focal point is. And so that's true in some cases here. You'll have, you have this gentleman who's kneeling and looking here at Jesus on the cross. And of course, you have this, this lady here looking, right? But then you have others like this. This this lady here can't look; she's looking away. This. Yes. Um, you have this guy who's kneeling; he's just like really in praise of Jesus, right? You have this guy who's looking; he's really well dressed, some kind of cardinal perhaps. But then this guy, he he's talking. Maybe he's looked and he's now got to turn and tell somebody about it. Okay. Um, who was somebody else I noticed? Uh, oh, I noticed this guy right here. with It looks like he has some kind of fur polka-dotted collar on him. He's not looking at Jesus. He's looking at this guy looking at Jesus. So it's almost like he's experiencing the cross through that other guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I, and I looked at that, and I, and I know that also the arch and the circle... These are these are uh, consonant relaxation, harm, harmonious shapes, and I thought this is this is a whole community of people gathered around the cross, worshiping the same event in a slightly different way, and it. But it's all together and it's working. And it's beautiful, and it really, really I thought illustrated Adams' congregation beautifully. It also reminded me of recently <clears throat> I heard this song. I got a new CD for Christmas from a choir in Pretoria um, and I was blown away when I got to this one song that it was a, it. they were singing in Zulu, a, an African language and I, I could feel the praise in this music without understanding a single word that they that they said it, and so. I, it made me understand that, my, that you can understand something with your heart um, if people's heart are into the expression of it. Yes? And so this is like this scripture. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And I thought, these people are really singing about the light within their heart. And I thought, when we do that well as a community, it'll only strengthen us.
2: So an artist that for me exemplifies uniqueness, childlikeness, and the power of light shining even in the darkness is my favorite artist, Vincent Van Gogh. And I got to see like a real Van Gogh for the first time ever this week, guys. (laughs) Um, I got to see irises, Uh, uh, iris, irises, whatever. It's beautiful. I got to see a Van Gogh. And um, it it, it was wonderful to be able to stand there and look at this. My dad says, apparently, I stood there looking at this for 45 minutes. It did (laughs) not seem like 45 minutes. But um, Vincent Van Gogh struggled deeply with the need for community. He felt rejected again and again by the world. And yet, in his life, you see him continually trying to reach out to others and in different ways reach out to God. In Vincent Van Gogh, I see the lost sheep longing to be found. And even through all of his struggles, he, he continued to see the world as a child does, eyes wide open, chasing the beauty and the light with abandon, and seeking to find his place in the divine dance with his brush on his canvas. His most well-known work, everybody? It's night. It's his most well-known work, Starry Night, was painted from his room on the second floor of an asylum. This was in the south of France. After he would struggle with bouts of fear and sadness and illness, he would then pick up a brush and paint lasting masterpieces of what he could not always see when the darkness closed in around him. And yet he painted the world not as we see it, but as God made it to be. Beautiful. Beautiful. Vibrant, mysterious, swirls of light and color, the shapes alive with movement and deep connection to one another, the air itself thick and living, the light, oh, the light he painted, even as he himself struggled to see it in his own life. This stands as a testimony that God can enter into any story and use anyone to tell the tale that he has been speaking over humanity since the Garden of Eden. When I look at the starry night, I don't see an abstract painting. I see the heart of a child, and I feel as if I am looking at the world in the way I was meant to see it, but often fail. And it inspires me to see God's spirit as it is, moving in the wilds of the countryside, moving in humanity itself, moving in the wilds of the minds of those in my church family And yes, even moving within myself, too. And when I open all of my senses to God, I can then step out into the swirling, dangerous, beautiful cosmos and dance with the Spirit. And you all are invited into that dance, too.
0: this evening we hope that we've uh, showed you some new ways to reach out to your fellowship and to realize what a beautiful flock you have and what a wonderful way God is aching to unleash his love and creativity through your flock and into your life and we want to be here for you if you want to talk to us after or answer any questions you may have or connect up we're happy to stick around
1: and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do you have anything else to say,
0: Adam? I have books here if anybody wants to take a look at one of my books. Books available. And or if you have questions anybody I
2: have a question. um, If I'm wanting to bring art into the, the assembly <coughs>
1: What
0: about copyrights? And, because I don't want to how does that look? So, so it is scary when you first start doing this, but there are, it, it, and, it, and you do sort of have to say that, you know, because you probably looked at my Jesus and said, that's not my Jesus and he's not diverse enough. And yes, maybe you had that thought, but I always have to use art that's before like 1927. And, and you can go to Wiki, Wikimedia Commons and find a lot of stuff. You just put in your topic and hit images and look for Wiki Commons, and, and you can use that stuff. It's in public domain. And a lot of the art galleries now, too, are, are allowing you to upload high definition. You, you just want to look for stuff that has the highest amount of um, dots per inch so that it projects, well, you know, 2,000 or more. Yep. Did that answer?
2: Yep. And there are some people that you can contact them, and they will give you permission. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's to that's too. Different. A
0: couple of times in the, I, yeah. I just wanted to have something contemporary. And so you can, like, email. And, but, and, and, you know, I had to pay them a little bit for it, but they were thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I encourage you to do that too. Yep. Anyone else? Somebody already doing this, something like this
3: in their churches? Are Fingers you? Are being pointed towards Oh
1: you.
3: gosh. Where? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we just. Well, I I am I am an artist and I love the arts and uh-huh. that's always been a way that I connect with God. So uh-huh. um, I started a a class this this quarter at our church called Encountering God Through the Arts. So we're wow. just going through and doing, we're doing, each week we're doing kind of a different medium. So we've done poetry now, um, we're doing photography one week, and um, kind of acrylic painting one week. So we're just kind of using different, Just it's kind of like a basic, like, okay, we're just going to kind of give you an, an intro into this different avenue through which right. you could encounter God, and then we do a hands-on activity yeah so like for poetry we did like blackout we're doing blackout poetry this week um and we're i'm trying to bring in artists that we have in our community to showcase their work already
0: so we need Um, to get your contact information we can hook up with you yeah
3: yeah yeah no this is great i love this i love it i think i think you guys are what you guys are doing is fabulous because our churches need they need it because we have artists i grew up in churches of christ where art was we didn't, you know, we didn't do anything with the art. It was we white were, walls. Yeah, we wanted everything to be as plain and as, you know, unexpressive as possible. Um, and so for me, that was that was a part of me that I felt like God didn't connect with. And so I think it's so vital to have it in our communities so that people know that 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 piece of them God wants to have.
0: I think what know. and I think what opened me up to what you're saying too is that uh, is that I'm a musician mm-hmm. and I love singing. <clears throat> but i but my instrument is the flute mm-hmm. and so i would teach people people would come to me to learn flute and most of, a lot of times people would come to me so they could learn flute to play in church mm-hmm. because they didn't they wouldn't dream of singing they would feel very very uncomfortable
1: mm-hmm.
0: being made to do congregational singing mm-hmm. and so that just opened my eyes to what else
1: mm-hmm.
0: that people aren't comfortable mm-hmm. It's great when you're a singer. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's it's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah. But we just need to be a little bit more open to that. There's some people who can't sing, and this thing you hear your whole life about. Well, it doesn't matter what you sound like. Well, but if you're asking that person to really emote, and they they just can't. It's it's like you know putting handcuffs on them or. Mm-hmm. Restraining them. So, God bless you for what you're doing. Anyone else? Did everybody get their piece of pie already? <laughs>
2: I can see some of those pictures. Sometimes, you know, when they have those, when they have the singing and the songs and they have this all this movement behind it and all of that just drives me
1: nuts. Mm. because it's so distractive from the words you're trying to sing. Right. But if they would put a solid picture up there, maybe that would be totally more, then I might get distracted by trying to figure out the picture.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes the younger folks would be like, oh, that's boring. We yeah. want the movie. <laughs>
0: right. So we all have to be patient with each other, yeah. right?
2: So church did a, did a history gallery for kids' art. Uh-huh. something for the families to come and say, oh, look what your kid has done, Right. and also to see like something that the kids can be proud of as, yeah. their, as their worship to God and through their art, and it also show the community, those who were visiting, saying we, we have an emphasis here that's not necessarily just on the white walls. Mm-hmm.
0: So you, I think the thing that's cool about what Adam is doing with it is that they is that they, everybody does it, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the little ones are,
2: oh yeah, are we'll, featured we'll, in with the adults. Yeah, they get a part of this. If they want the three kings coming to baby Jesus, they get to do the painting. You know, we don't pair them up with an adult who can do it. You know, in a more realistic way or whatever. No, they get it, and they're a part of the story just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted good. to say too that. Uh, there are going to be people in your congregation that don't think they're creative that absolutely are. Mm. We did a series going through the Psalms where um, I encouraged everybody to look into their day jobs because Psalms 23rd, it's a day job. He's talking about he's finding God in his day job. Mm. And we had a water treatment operator <coughs> come up and tell about how they see God through water filtration. And it was awesome. Cool. You know, yeah. They didn't do a painting. But uh, they they did this written thing, and 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 some of it was poetic, and some of it was straightforward, just kind of uh, parabolic examples. But it was beautiful to see the Lord is my water treatment operator. You know, there, there are people in your congregation that might need encouragement, but they've been given gifts that are beyond what can you do with painting, what can you do with this and that. There's so much out there that God's gifted in your congregation. Find it.
0: anyone else so we'll stick around we'd love to meet you come and sign my book so we can continue the conversation online yes all right thank you so much
1: for coming